joining us. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Flame. Hi, fandom. Welcome to episode 22. Today, we're talking about the nitty gritty of shipping in all its wonderful forms. Thank you to Sagana for our gorgeous cover art for today's episode. First up, Barry and I are going to give a quick rundown of shipping in general, what it means and why we as a fandom do it, and then also some of the terminology you're going to hear on this episode. After that, Flame talks with Seth and then Nikki about their shipping experiences. Before we finish up, we'll hear from the community about their shipping preferences and then a check-in with Trope Off. We have a lot to talk about as always, so let's get started. dive into our interviews this time we wanted to mix things up a little bit and do a quick let's talk about the concept of shipping as a whole both to give you guys some context and to define some terms and uh, just sort of explore the concept as a whole before we ask our guests about their specific feelings about shipping and then talk about some other shipping topics ourselves so when we were thinking about this I uh I was sort of pondering the question and I feel like you have an answer to this flame or at least a, a hypothesis, but um, like, why do you think that people have ships or feel shippy? <laughs> or feel shippy. I mean, it's, it's human nature that we crave connection and we crave intimacy on some level. However, we define that intimacy and with whomever we define it, it is an exceptionally rare person that feels no emotional connection with other human beings. It's actually classified as a disorder in the DSM. If you can form no emotional attachments with any other living creature. So there's a there's an innate sense that we all want to feel that connection with somebody, whether that's romantic love or platonic love or, you know, how whatever along those spectrums. And I think for the longest time, the largest majority of the population feels romantic love for another individual. And so we, the largest percentage of the population can identify with that. We, we kind of know what it feels like to have a crush or what it feels like mm-hmm. to fall in love, or we know what it feels like to, I mean, like what find me and a wet, like I always joke, find me a teenage girl who was not eponine and lame at some point in their lives. Like she is the patron saint. <laughs> teenage girls, like pining for the boy that you desperately want and you are friend zoned so hard. Um, he doesn't even realize he loves you till you're dead. Spoiler alert for a musical from 1982. <laughs> but um, it's, it, we, we all know all of those feelings in some way, shape or form. So that's a piece of it. I think the other piece of it is that no matter how much we want, we try, Hollywood or is never as interested in romance as we want them to be, except in a rom-com. So if we're doing all these other major properties that we do fandoms around like Buffy or X-Files or Star Trek or Marvel, we are always more interested in humans than the creators seem to be on a level. And we always want to know about their their interior lives more than the budget office does. And so it's the easiest piece to create as well. Um, And I think we've seen this, especially last year with our fandom is that as things have gotten more and more difficult in the ether world, more conversations that I've read are like, well, now I really just want fluffy domestic stuff. I really just want people being happy together. I want to remember that there is that there is healing at the end of this or people writing really, really dark stuff to remember that it can always get worse. But it was that kind of innate 
I need to connect to the humanity in these people. And that's how I can sort out my feelings about offline humanity. So I think the huge part of why we do it, I don't know if that resonates with you or if that makes sense to you or you disagree. No. Yeah. I think that catharsis and vicarious emotional connection is, is probably the foundation of it all. And everyone sort of builds it up for them a little bit differently. And once you're sort of into it, it becomes, it can become a coping mechanism and a cathartic experience. Or if you struggle processing certain emotions, I think that, um, reading expressions of some other emotions can help you sort of like have an emotional experience that isn't directly challenging or um, confronting. So yeah, I think that like why we fic in general probably has a lot to do with all of that as well. But the why shipping, I mean, I know for me, I definitely have that, like I, I do, I enjoy that vicarious feeling and we've talked before about the like tingle that you get at the moment when it's like oh the confession's gonna happen and I know everyone doesn't get that but for me that peak feeling of like vicarious emotion that's followed by catharsis is when it's been angsty 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 and then there's going to be the big reveal that like there was a misunderstanding or someone's going to be like but it's because I love you (laughs) or something like that and when I get to that moment Um, I find that really satisfying. And when you couple a desire for a vicarious or cathartic romance um, or a need for romance that isn't being satisfied by the properties that you enjoy, when you couple that with uh, what we've talked about before as being one of the fundamental appeals of fanfic, that there is safety and familiarity and you don't have to put emotional energy into getting to know new people, when you couple those things Shipping's kind of inevitable, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, statistically, uh, I mean, this is my accounted like Tekle 11th fandom, I think that I've that I've dabbled uh, or participated in on some level, if we include general Broadway fandom that I was in, that I still am in. Um, and there have always been, you know, stories that don't involve romantic relationships mm-hmm. I've encountered them in all of them but they've just in the ships in the fandoms I'm in they're never the most popular um they're never the ones that that everyone talks about um and people you know I was in in fandoms before shipping was quite as um quite as automatic I guess now in a way <laughs> oh okay quite as uh quite as contentious um I just I don't remember we'll get into that in a couple seconds but I don't remember getting as much hate for the ships that I had Dawson's Creek as I do now in Marvel um that's just a different world um but it was it was always kind of this understanding that if you were a fandom you were there for the emotional reason and then very very quickly you were there for the porn on some level um and that was that was always, it's, it's really funny. I'm reminded there's a really great podcast that I love called How Did This Get Made? And it's a, a, with a couple of comedians sit around and talk truly terrible movies or not always terrible ones, but like how did this possibly get made? And they did a couple of the Netflix Christmas ones this past year. And my favorite host, Jason Manzukis, just kept saying, but these people deserve to fuck. Why can't you <laughs> let them fuck? And I just, I, my husband and I, Mr. Flame and I sat there laughing and I was like, the cry of fanfic writer everywhere. This is our hashtag. 
why won't you let them fuck? Um, and I can't, um, I can't even count the number of properties that I have watched from West Wing up to Greatest Showman. And my question is, why won't you let them fuck? Um, and that could be because I'm a thirsty, horny person. Um, but, uh, but according to AO3, I'm not alone. So I think there's also... <laughs> It's also the very human thirsty element where we are not comfortable talking about sex out loud. We always want to talk about it in our brain, our imagination, our fantasy lives. We always want other input to know what other people think about it. But talking about it using out loud is often incredibly intimidating. Mm -hmm. And so introducing other aspects of sexuality into a fantasy life entirely in your imagination is so incredibly appealing. Um, I was actually speaking to somebody who is identifies very strongly as asexual has no desire for sexual relationships in offline life um is in a completely different fandom is not in our fandom and we just got to chang uh and said that the the only fic they read on ao3 is e-rated because they want to know what it is like oh that's interesting so it's we all encounter this stuff for different reasons um but i think you know I think that covers some of the broad categories at least. Yeah. And there's definitely people who engage with fandom from a totally gen perspective. They like the, say they're in Marvel for the fan family. They like writing friendship fix stuff like that though. I'd argue that, you know, we can say that friendships are still ships um, of a variety. It can be a similar emotional experience to write people forming and experiencing a friendship. They don't have to have sex. Um, so I think that, even uh, even groups of, of fans who would consider themselves gen figures or um, shipless uh, still are seeking some similar similar feelings from fandom. And I'm sure there are many people who don't and it's an entirely different experience for them. Maybe they like the world building and that's it. Um, Which is know. something you obviously deeply resonate with. Right, you're out there doing your con langs like Tolkien. Good for you. <laughs> Draw those maps. Someone has to, because it's not going to be me. <laughs> I will build your train schedules. But if you're as if you're listening to this and you're like, Flame and Ferret are totally off their rocker. I don't care about relationships at all. I just want to talk about defeating superheroes or villains or whatever. Please come talk to me. Yeah, Shoot that me would message. be fascinating because we don't we would love to chat with you. Spaces where we'd hear that a lot. Though I have heard some people talk about their gen experience in fandom and um, I mean, it's definitely a minority experience and even just hearing from people that it can be so hard to find gen fix of the nature that they want or that they feel that their fix don't get any attention or their art doesn't get any attention because it is gen goes to show again that it is a minority group of fandom that engages with fandom solely from a gen perspective, but interesting. Also, I mean, I'm, you know, we we're supposed to be defining terms in this segment and we didn't explain what gen meant. I was about to say, so Ferret, what does gen mean? Well, it actually has two meanings, which makes it kind of confusing for people. Um, something that is G-rated, especially on a platform like AO3, is for general audiences. And that means that it contains nothing that would be inappropriate for essentially a 13-year-old to read because that's the minimum age requirement to be on these platforms. So we use gen, fic, uh, gen in that sense to mean a fic that is G-rated, i.e. it has no violence, no sexual content, no bad language words, um, no challenging topics, kind of. Uh, and then, but as a fandom community and that G rated, you could use that 
in other spaces as well where they use similar letters, not everywhere, um, but for general audiences is that's used for movies, music and stuff as well. Fandom has also co-opted the term gen to mean um, a creation, a fan work, I suppose, that does not contain a romantic relationship. So when we talk about genfic in that sense, we're saying it's a fic about Tony and Tony alone. He may have friendships in the story, but you wouldn't tag a fic with a slash in it in the relationship section on AO3. Um, or it might be about all the Avengers coming together as a family, or, um, you know, even if it has a strong interpersonal relationship that isn't romantic, like a friendship fic, some people would still call that genfic, not everybody would. So it's definitely, a, it's not a hard, hard defined line. But when we're talking about genfic in right now with shipping, we're saying a fic without a romantic relationship in it. Um, you may also hear people talk about genfic as in G-rated fic, which could still have a romantic relationship. It's just, you know, they hold hands, <laughs> maybe kiss, <laughs> and that is all. Yeah, or they're exhausted parents trying desperately to make it through the night because their top can't sleep, which is, I think most of my gen fics are around that, that kind of topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, most of my G-rated fic. I have one gen fic that has no establishing relationships in it at all and it's an entire team fic team solving a problem fic um and it was was i can make the argument that there are seven different ships in that one um and i tagged none of them kind of see what people got out of it uh and see if they read between the lines um but just kind of as an experiment and the particular topic it was about and the puzzle i wanted them to solve but mm -hmm. it's not it's not something I see myself going back to. It wasn't nearly as much fun as making boys do the kissy kissy. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about terminology, I guess we should maybe dive into the history of the term a little bit as well and how it was kind of born. Um, so the term shipping all on its own, something that we use a lot, but new people in fandom might not even know what it means or where it came from. Um, but it's short for relationship. So to ship to people is to see them in a relationship or want them in a relationship or portray them in a relationship. It's generally agreed that it started in X-Files fandom. Obviously, when we're talking about some of this history stuff, uh, we have to thank fan lore, of course, but also we're doing our best with history and not everything is available on the internet and um, things like zines and fandom conversations and documents and convention pamphlets get lost so and I if you remember the um uh interview that we had OTW volunteer who was talking about yeah acts of Tecla yeah yes in um sending your fandom documents in uh for historical preservation <laughs> uh this is the kind of thing that we can determine when we have that Dr. Ann Jamison in her book essentially says that it may have existed before um, X-Files, but the reason that we can all attribute it to X-Files is because the true breakdown at fandom was about people who wanted to read about relationships versus people who wanted to read about aliens. Yeah, it's- a real, a real split in that fandom over what kind of content, fan, kind of transformative works were created. Yeah, and so the people who were the shippers were the group of people that specifically were in fandom for ships and while now looking at it, it might be like well you know as we were saying the vast majority of people are in fandom for ships it wasn't always that case and there were definitely um 
fandoms. I mean, if you think about uh, comic book fandom in its earlier days, uh, you could argue that it wasn't really, it wasn't about shipping at all. Like this was comic book stores and mostly boys. And um, it was about fighting villains and uh, maybe even a little role-playing and stuff like that, but it wasn't about shipping the characters in the story. So this has been a development of fandom over time. But with shipping came many other terms, many other ways for people to divide things up, talk about themselves, for other people to talk about them. Uh, and one of my favorites is smush names or portmanteaus, where ship names are created based on smushing together the two names of the characters that are being shipped. So obviously we have Stony, Stucky, Stecony uh, for hours. Um, but my first fandom was Buffy and my first ship was Spuffy, which is Spike and Buffy. And I'll forever be fond of that particular smush name. Um, and it, it is, uh, Buffy is considered one of the ways that smush names as a thing were popularized. Um, before that, most people wrote out the ship name entirely with the slash in the middle. Uh, and it wasn't until like sort of pop slash fandom. So like um, bandom and sync and stuff like that, people were using smush names then. And it kind of blew up in the early 2000s with specific, particularly with Buffy, but also with a lot of other fandoms around that time period where there was a big boom in internet activity for fandom and internet spaces and um, communication got larger. And speaking of the word slash, that the shortening of the word slash to mean same-sex ships, um, which for a very long time fandom exclusively meant male male ships, but that's a separate conversation we can have another time. Um, the it comes to us really from Star Trek and from Kirk slash Spock or K slash S, which was the code that a lot of fanzines used and fandom communication used. Um, to explain what that was going to be. I think we just read on fan lore that the first published Kirk Spock slash fic was in like 1984. <laughs> like this thing has been around for a long time. Um, and it took a lot of different evolutions. People sometimes used it for that and sometimes didn't. Um, but, it, but by the time we hit the late 90s, early 2000s, and definitely by the time we hit Miss Scribe and that whole thing that we talked about in episode 15 uh, of this podcast, Slash is is known for being a same-sex transformative work. Uh, and it, it comes down to that at that point, which is a good reminder, again, for anyone who hasn't been around fan in a while or doesn't remember that the idea of Slash ships was a massive controversy for a long time. Um, and it's now, you know, um, het ships are the, are the ones that don't get written a lot, <laughs> but... 20 years ago, writing ships was a bit of a decision in a way in terms of fandom and in terms of exposure and all those kind of other things we talk about. So fandom has always had evolutions when it comes to relationships. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. And if it wasn't obvious, the reason why the term is slash is because as we still write them now, the relationships were written with one name slash the other name um, and groups of people who were who participated in creating slash works were called slashers for a lot of time. I don't think that we really use slashers as a term anymore. Um, no, I think that tends to mean like slasher movies. Yeah, like yeah. Now, like we, yeah, yeah. 
and I, you know, there were definitely spaces where it was being used as almost a derogatory term. It was like, you know, there's the gross slashers who just want to write pe- boys kissing, but we're here to write about aliens or what have you. Um, and that was very much the, the argument of the time. Now we sort of almost assume slash is the default, which has given us the term het, which means uh, heterosexual ship. So that would be um, ships with opposite sex couples. And, um, and now you almost need to clarify if, if something's het versus assuming that slash would be the default, which is interesting. And people have also started using femme slash to distinguish between female, female and male, male, which the term slash has mostly come to cover. So yeah, that's kind of like, oh, and even um, we don't really, we don't, we don't do this anymore, um, thankfully. Uh, I think AO3 was a big part of wiping this out because AO3 took the stand that all of their ship names are going to be alphabetical. So when you see your ship tag on AO3 and it says James Bucky Barnes slash Tony Stark, uh, Bucky comes first because of the B. Um, in Barnes and Stark is second. And AO3 said that that is 100% how they were gonna do it. And that has become more of a standard, but there was a time and there are still fandoms and still communities where you would write the ship name when you, well, people didn't really tag their fix, but when you had the description of what your fic was, you'd write your ship name with the top first and the bottom second. <laughs> so if you wrote Kirk Spock, then the sex in the story, Kirk would top and the other way around, the Spock was topping. But that's definitely fallen out of fashion. <laughs> yeah, and then the, there's a whole other category of ships that we don't cover that much on the pod simply because we don't engage in them. But again, anyone who engages in these worlds, we'd love to talk to you. But the idea of, um, self-shipping, which is kind of the term that we got to get self-insert or reader insert and all of these evolutions of how humans could write transformative works with using either them, like not having to use two characters. So you could write Tony with, you know, an original character, that's that's very valid, or Tony with, um, you know, your own name, or Tony with, you know, now there's coding, right? Or like you can search a website and it, if you write yes, no, something, your name gets replaced. It's not yes, no, it's your name. (laughs) There you go. I don't know. (laughs) This is not my world. This doesn't tick my boxes. So I don't know about it. Um, So that's a whole other thing too. And it's, I know my first, the fandoms that I was in before this did not use as reader kind of talk about that general thing that general category of fix so i was very confused when i first got into fandom first got into marvel fandom um so if you were like me and took a fandom break and didn't know what x reader meant that's kind of the 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 smushing of offline life and uh fandom life into a transformative work yeah so um reader inserts fascinating in that it's often written in second person so it'll be you walk down the street um and then yeah, it uses that, uh, there's Chrome plugins and stuff that can take the little code that people write, which is Y slash N and replace it with whatever name you want. So you can put your own name in, or maybe you wanna put someone else's name in, <laughs> that's your own business. <laughs> um, and, but we also have, you might see self-cessed as well versus self-shipping. So self-shipping would be when 
the creator themselves ships themselves with a character. So if I wanted to kiss Captain America, that would be self-shipping. Self-cessed would be if the character is shipped with another version of themselves. And if you want an amazing experience, an amazing trip into fandom history, then you should look at the, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes. The, um, there's a video by Sarah about the Onesler fandom which is oh, fascinating. God. Uh, because fascinating. the Wensler goes through a transformation during the story and with a lack of other characters to ship him with and him being kind of the iconic shippable character, fandom decided to ship him with himself. And so you get the pre-transformation Wensler being shipped with the post-transformation Wensler. And it is a fascinating watch to check to dive into how this came about and um what the fandom was like and what self-cessed can can be like in in a community um because we've probably like we've got the multiverse so like we definitely have experiences of there's a lot of popular fics with multiple tonys or multiple steves um but i feel like once there is like peak self-cessed fandom if you want to explore that a little bit more we'll link that absolutely and i mean I love fix where pre-serum Steve and post-serum Steve somehow have to do something together. It fascinates me. Um, Bill Longbow is working, uh, one right now with Tony, both Steve's and Bucky um, as we record this. So it's, it, we can we can play around with that as well in our fandom, but I would incur with Ferret that Onceler was a very specific thing. And that video is fascinating. So we will definitely link it in the show notes. Um, in terms of other things that other terms that you may want to know, other things you may want to hear, you may have heard Ferret talk about ship manifesto on this pod before, um, which is something that the Cap I Am community has for Stony, and a lot of fandoms had it for their own ships, and they these were meta essays people wrote to defend why their ship was the best ship. Um, these were much more popular. I, I think they were, for in my understanding of fandom history, they were more popular before AO3. They were more popular on, on LiveJournal and more popular on closed link sites um, than, than necessarily now, just because I think the nature of how we share fandom information, like Tumblr definitely has fandom manifestos, but we don't really reblog long stuff on Tumblr as much as we reblog short stuff, which was different on LiveJournal. We will make sure to link the Stony ship manifesto in the show notes to give you an idea of what it looked like, because it is definitely a formative thing for many people in the Stony fandom. I've never read it, ironically, because my entire ship manifesto came from reading Ferret and Saber's fix and just deciding <laughs> that the ship worked for me. So I don't have like grand arguments about why I, I just like the fix, um, but it's definitely something that that you should have access to exploring if our, if defending your ship, even in your own soul is an important part of your fandom journey. We want you to have access to that information. I think that one of the reasons why ship manifestos used to be more popular is that fandom used to be a lot more centered around Canon than it is now. And if you were oh, going so to true. diverge from Canon, then you had to almost justify it. And there were definitely um, spaces where it was frowned upon to diverge from fandom and sort of building this concept of, um, AUs and just being able to write whatever we want and changing whatever we want has been an evolving thing. Um, and so one method for sort of creating a foundation for a ship so that it felt safe to blast off from there 
was to create these ship manifestos that kind of justified the ship. They would often take canon material as explanation why the ship was shippy. Um, I was thinking about like probably Xena fandom would have been a good example for that. I presume there are many ship manifestos out there, but I haven't done the research. But um, that was a case where the ship was never canonized, really, but there was a lot there. And by creating a ship manifesto, they can say, look, here's all the shippy moments. Here's all the ways that we were shown subtextually that there is a relationship there. And that sort of justifies a ship. Nowadays, we don't feel the need to justify our ships anymore. People are a lot more free to just write whatever they want. And communities are much less shamey about, you know, oh, well, where is it in canon? Show me the moment. And therefore, ship manifestos just become, instead of being meta arguments, they're more like just celebrations. And I feel like people do that sort of all the time. Every list of headcanons, every gift set is almost a mini part of a grander ship manifesto that's become the fandom community at large. That's true. And I'll tell you, you know, as we record this in January, uh, was it about a month ago, the entirety of Tumblr was a Destiel ship manifesto. <laughs> oh yeah, so, <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> that was, I haven't watched that show since the year of our Lord, 2009. And yet I knew every moment of those last episodes. <laughs> So, um, man, did people have feelings and I love them. I love supporting fandom feelings, as you guys know. So moving on from um, some of the historical terms, we have a couple that you might actually hear on this episode um, or you may have hear, heard us talking about before. And we want to make sure you know what they mean, just in case you don't. So we are definitely going to be talking about mono shipping versus multi shipping versus poly shipping. Um, mono shipping, mono meaning one, means that you have one ship in that fandom and m almost all of your fandom interactions are about that ship. So for instance, I'm a mono shipper in Supernatural. I only ship Destiel. I have no other ships in the fandom and nothing else that I read or consume by choice. Um, Multi-shipping is when you have multiple ships within a fandom. So Flame and I are both multi-shippers in Marvel. We both ship more than one relationship that involve different people in them. And lastly, poly shipping is a ship that contains more than two people. So people who are polyamorous in some way. So we both ship Stacconi, that's a common poly ship in Marvel, but there are many and you're gonna hear people talk about that today. You can be a poly, you can be a combination of things. You can be a poly shipper, but also a mono shipper. So you only ship one ship in a fandom, but it's a ship containing more than two people. You could be a poly shipper and a multi shipper. Um, so you've got maybe some ships that are two people, some ships that are three people, one ship that's six people. <laughs> um, and uh, generally people, um, people fall into these categories. It's sort of hard not to because the lines don't really overlap very much. So depending on what you ship, you might be a mono, a multi or a poly shipper or some combination thereof. The other one that you'll hear in this episode and then also just throughout fandom is OTP, uh, which is one true pairing um, and is, I'll say I use it even though I don't have one true pairing. So I think people also use it facetiously sometimes. OTP and OT3 or OT6, or OT11, Mazel Tov, <laughs> um, are all kind of interchangeable a little bit um, in that this is the thing you're here for. So. And for multi-shippers, I know sometimes we use it as the thing you love the most, 
um, or like your default ship. Like, sure, I ship a ton of things in Marvel, but my default ship is 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 actually Winter Iron, believe it or not. Um, and uh, that's the one I, I like to go to when um, having a bad day, I read Winter Iron fic. Um, and I love Sony with my whole heart, but Winter Iron just, just slaps a little bit stronger for me. So, but in terms of poly shipping in, in Marvel, I read several poly ships. The, my ultimate poly ship will always be Stuckoni um, for any host of reasons, including that it my first poly ship that I shipped in any fandom, actually. I had never poly shipped before I came here and Bucky just made it too hard. Um, <laughs> Me too. To deny. OT3. Some people have an OTP and an OT3. It's definitely like softened in meaning over time. It used to be that if you had an OTP, it was like, I have forsaken all other ships for my OTP. It is the one true pairing, but it's definitely become just a way to say my strongest, my favorite, my go-to, as you say, so. Yeah, I would say my OTP is Stony. Um, even though it's not actually my favorite ship in Marvel, it's my natural default <laughs> and uh, how I got here and where I've spent the most time and where most of my fix are. So, but yeah, that's not, that's, that's had some historical shift over time. So you may see, especially if you're looking at older things, uh, maybe some old ship manifestos on LJ, you'll see OT, OTP used a little bit more strongly than it is now. Yeah, and if uh, Acts of Techless Threat comes true and they do actually import all of my West Wing fic, all of my author notes on that West Wing fic talk about OTP being Josh and Donna. So there you go. You may. Um, the last one is bicycle, which is one of my favorite fandom words. And it's the idea that um, you may have thoughts about ships or feelings about ships, but really what you're here for is this one character and you'll kind of ship them a lot of different people. Um, they are the bicycle that gets you around. Um, yeah, it's, and so it's from the idea of the town bicycle, which I guess isn't a very nice thing to call somebody, but everyone's had a ride. <laughs> That's the idea. So it's the character yeah. that you'd let anyone take a ride. When we will talk later in community, we asked a lot of you guys, shipping was like for you. And there was several commentary that was like, I don't, I have ships that I like, but really Tony is my bicycle. Or really, I'm just here for Bucky to be happy with who makes him happy. Um, and that, that is, those are common, um, common entities, I think in fandoms as large as ours, I don't encounter bicycle talk in smaller fandoms in terms of characters like Supernatural, um, but in larger, in fandoms with larger, um, larger character bases, I hear the term bicycle a lot. There's a lot of bicycle talk in Game of Thrones, for instance. So, yeah. um, and that can look like, but I think once you get into the smaller stuff, like I don't hear bicycle talk in Veronica Mars. So right. yeah, um, for sure. You kind of have to have enough characters that there's a town that can take, take a ride, you know, <laughs> can take a ride. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we hope that that gives you kind of a basis um, for when we're talking about these things and maybe a little bit of history. We will definitely link some of our, some of the fan lore stuff we've talked about. And that is a fantastic place to start if you want to explore more, or if there's a term you hear either us or other people talk about that you don't know, obviously you can ask in discord, but Fan lore will give you all of the historical context that is available. So it's an amazing resource. If you don't know what fan lore is, it's basically the wiki for fandom. So it's extensive and gorgeous and uh, that can be a deep dive. <laughs> but next up, Flame is going to do two interviews back to back and you'll get to hear the perspective from multiple people about their experiences as shippers.
Podcast Landia. I am here today with Seth. Seth, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I w- met you through Tumblr. Uh, and so I know a little bit about some of our overlapping fandom interests, but I don't know your origin story. So tell me about how you got into fandom. I got into fandom. I started with the Hunger Games. I was part of the Instagram fandom on the Hunger Games. And through that, I kind of found Tumblr and then I got into the One Direction fandom. (laughs) And that was where I like started creating content and like writing and stuff. And then Marvel fandom, I found through, (laughs) I joined the Marvel fandom after Thor Ragnarok, which I hate saying. Why do you hate saying it? I like that movie. Yeah, but it as far as the characters go, it's it's not great. I mean, fair. <laughs> and I know that now. And I know that now, but like I didn't know that when I first watched it and so I was like, "Oh, I love this. I want to watch all of them." And then I realized the rest of them were just so much better. <laughs> it's a really fun movie, but it is not um not super great with the rest of canon. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it about it that really dragged? I don't, I've never met anybody who entered Marvel through Ragnarok. So what was it about Ragnarok that really got you going? Loki was hot. <laughs> Fair. Listen, no one is going to argue with you on Hiddleston's hotness. Yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty much it. I, I guess I followed some blogs um, relating to that. And then um, I, started reading Frostine. I think I must have followed Stars. Okay. And, and I started reading Frostine and then I was like 50 pages deep in that tag and I was like, huh, there's other ships, isn't there? There are a few. Yeah, there are a few. So there's then from Frostiron, from Frostiron, where did, did you then follow Tony to other things or did you keep following Loki? I'm pretty sure I followed Tony because I don't really ship Loki with very many other people. So I must have followed Tony and like seen him in like a a secondary ship in one of the things and going, oh, that's fun and click that. And then you just go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. I started with Stucky and really was really into that for a, a, a solid couple, which this is a record for me, a solid couple days. (laughs) and I read an obscene amount of fix in those couple days and then Tony made an appearance and I was like oh wait pause I think I need to follow this man um and I now I read really widely but like Tony's Tony's my bicycle like I just I love him that's so valid (laughs) so yeah yeah so I want to before I keep going with Marvel I am incredibly fascinated with this idea that a fandom existed on Instagram I have not heard of this before so Hunger Games was largely on Instagram or is it that just where you interacted with it? Um, I think it was largely on Instagram because I never really saw a ton of content on Tumblr for it. Um, but like, yeah, they used to do like um, Instagram Hunger Games um, where one account would run it and you'd all sign up and you'd post like what you were wearing to the reaping and you'd write like a little like story of your reaping. and um, you'd like grow through the Hunger Games that way. Fascinating. So it's like a organized RPM? Kind of. In a way. Okay. 
Amazing. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that. That's such a, a creative way to engage with a fandom that is highly visual. Yeah, it was really cool. Oh, that's so cool. Do you still engage, like, do you read Hunger Games thick at all still, or have you largely left that fandom? I've pretty much left that fandom, yeah. That's fair. I, like, it's, I've, I just interacted with somebody in an auction that still writes Hunger Games thick. So I went on AO3 and was looking through and I was like, oh, this, this feels, I hope they regenerate. Like, it feels like there's some real passion there, but it is definitely small. Yeah. So, oh. so we got to chatting because you are a multi-shipper, which I am as well, um, and is a contrast to the mono shipping that we're talking about the rest of this episode, but you're also into poly ships and you're yeah. into a you more of them than I am for sure. So I love Stacconi, <laughs> which everybody on this pod listens to, and they are my main OT3. But yeah. I'm getting into all caps, and I would love for you to talk to me about why all caps works for you. Um, so it's a really fun dynamic, um, like with the established canon friendships between Steve and Bucky and um, Steve and Sam, but then Bucky and Sam don't really have anything like that they're almost um they're like antagonists yeah they're like rivals they have that weird kind of fighty chemistry especially in civil war exactly yeah Yeah. and there's so many like fun ways you can play with that dynamic and it's just fun (laughs) do you read the sub ships of them like do you also read steve and bucky and steve and sam like or is it the three of them work best for you I, I do read lots of Stucky. Um, when I read Thic, I generally start with, sorry if this goes on a bit of a tangent, but I usually start with um, a character. So like I read, I start with Bucky a lot. I was like, okay, I want to, I want to be with Bucky for now. So I'll go to his tag and I'll just scroll until I find something that's interesting. It doesn't really matter what ship it is. Fascinating. <laughs> No, I love it. There's lots of people that read like this. Um, yeah. And so, so is that kind of how you stumbled on this, this trio? You were focusing on one of the three of them and then found this? Yeah, I think so. I'm, it might have also been um, where I was reading Stocky and then someone was like, oh, and Sam's here too. And I was like, oh, and Sam's here too. Great. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, with a lot of the Marvel characters, I think about them like the um, episode of Friends where Rachel makes the bad trifle. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. That's okay. So the whole thing is that two pages of a cookbook get glued together. So she ends up making British trifle, but also shepherd's pie (laughs) and, (laughs) and puts them in one dish. And so it's like a layer of lady fingers, then a layer of beef sauteed with peas and onions and like all this kind of stuff. And everyone's like, it's the grossest thing. You are a weirdo. And Joey is sitting there eating it all. And he's like, he's like, lady fingers, good. Whipped cream, good. Beef, good. And he just keeps eating. And that's <laughs> often what I feel with some of these trio ships. I'm like, Sam, good. Bucky, good. Steve, good. Like, just keep adding them yeah. in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the other one you mentioned to me was um, a Marrow Winterhawk, correct? Yes. That you yeah. read? So this is, to me, a really comic-centric ship. Are you a comic reader, too? Or is no, this I've just... never read any of the comics. Oh, so you've just stumbled into all this kind of stuff entirely through fic? Yeah. 
fascinating. So tell me a little bit about how that how that ship works. Uh, Amari Winterhawk. Yeah, please. I don't know anything about it. Um. So I pretty sure I must have found it through Winterhawk. I read a ton of Winterhawk. Okay. Um, because I love like the, the like the shooting competitions and they're both snipers and they're like both disasters and <laughs> they are they are both and then, disasters. And then Steve has a really different um personality to that, but also like there's a lot of similarities that like play really well. Like obviously that's why him and Bucky are such good friends. Right. And then um Clint just has different experiences that play really well into that yeah um it like steve almost like balances them out a little bit interesting that makes sense i don't know why i think of winterhawk as a comic ship it might be that everybody who i know that reads it reads talks about loving clint from matt faction's hawkeye series yeah i definitely see that i haven't okay. read it but i wanted to <laughs> yeah yeah i've st- i really like it i started it recently i'm very new to comics um and so that's why i thought of it as a comic ship and so i'm so that must that question must have seemed from left field i'm so sorry and then as you were talking i was like it's not a comic ship flame what the heck is wrong with you um but i can totally see how he balances them because steve is really especially with the two of them he'd be a little bit more like the straight man like comic yeah He's a little bit more like clean cut, I guess. Yeah, he's just not a disaster in the same way. I mean, they're all disasters, yeah. the whole the whole canon. <laughs> but he's a yeah. disaster in a different way. So. Exactly. Fascinating. Fascinating. So it just sounds to me like you're a pretty voracious, thick consumer. Like you read really widely and kind of whatever makes you happy at the time. Is that fair? Yeah, pretty much. That's exciting. Are you do you create um fandom stuff as well you mentioned earlier that you that that, like marvel's the first ship where you did is there a specific ship you that you create for the most um i think i've currently in my published stuff i think i've done a couple of winterhawk ones and a couple of stucky ones but i don't publish a lot of marvel stuff totally fair totally fair i have not read real uh, a whole lot of winterhawk but i need to get into it um, I just had to get over the MCU Clint in my head. He doesn't work with with Bucky, but yeah, definitely comic Buck comic Clint does. So I I need to I need to dip into that. Um, yeah. So fascinating. Is there anything else about like you know the process of of grouping people together and how we do ships that you would like to to say? Um, I don't really think about it too much. Like I I have like the idea that if someone's a good enough writer they can pretty much make me ship anything if something works in the context of their story then they'll make me ship it like (laughs) that's that is a very valid and I love as somebody who writes a lot of ships and I hope people follow me to my various ships that's very (laughs) encouraging so yeah fascinating so do you have in all of your wide ships and your bucky deep dives do you have anything that you'd like to um tell our listeners that they should read um yeah sure do you have a a ship that you want me to anything with steve and or tony so like if you've got if you've got some um sam bucky steve recommendations or um or the amara winterhawk either one of those would be fine um but yeah something with steve or tony 
um, well, Steve Tony, one of my favorites is the Signs of Life um, series by Avangard um, okay. on AO3. Um, Tell me about that one. Uh, it's got um, it's got Peter as a child and he's deaf and he's Tony's kid and like Steve kind of like they, they find out about him and Steve like kind of steps up and helps parent him and they fall in love and it's really cute. <laughs> oh, I love super family fix. That sounds adorable. Exactly. Um, I don't think I have a lot of bookmarks that are poly ship. This needs to be fixed. What? It's okay. All of my poly ship bookmarks are stuck-oni, I think, all of them. <laughs> I have maybe one World War threesome. What's that? Oh, that's Peggy, Bucky, and Steve in the 40s. Uh, right, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, start, I started reading that one entirely because of the ship name. <laughs> I was like, World War Threesome is one of the funnest things I've heard, and I need to see what the hell this is about. And then I read a really hot one, and absolutely no one can ever ask me to find this again, but where they were, Peggy was um, making them both wear her stockings right as a dare because like i can't remember the context but then they just all ended up fucking and i was like oh this works <laughs> this work this works for me i'll stay i'll stay here for a little bit this works yeah that's valid so uh yeah there's not a whole heck of a lot of like i hear a ship and i go oh no like i definitely have a few um but mostly I i'm a little bit like yourself where i'll just be like oh that sounds fine like let's yeah. give the i'll read that once Oh. Yeah, see, there's a couple of ships that I wouldn't really, like, click on. Like, I don't tend to click on stuff if, like, it's a Natasha ship that's focused on. I don't know. I just don't. But, like, if it's, like, a background ship, I don't really care too much. Yeah, I very rarely care about background ships. There are some, like, there are some things I see more as maybe platonic than romantic. So I don't read a whole lot of science bros because they work better as friends for me than as, as like, Bruce and Tony. I don't read a lot of that ship but i'm certainly not anti it i just don't read it a lot exactly. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in that camp with you where if it's a really good author they can make me like just about anything yeah did you find anything else to share with our readers if listeners if not it is not a problem yeah so it's the things that show and tell starts by in the shadows okay um it's a really cute um so it, do you want me to read the summary please go for it uh so it's this, Tony decides, has turned into one of the weirdest show-and-tells he has ever seen, and potentially the deadliest, if the tension grows anymore. Which shouldn't be possible, but with this crowd, yeah, let's introduce Bucky and Loki to the team at the same time, honestly. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that would be a disaster, and sounds fun. We are definitely going to make sure that's linked in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, Seth, this has been a delight. I'm so glad to talk to somebody that I don't normally get a chance to, to interact with. Um, and thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your thoughts on poly shipping. Thanks for having me. Putzcast land. I'm here today with Nikki. Nikki, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So the first question we ask all Potscast guests is, uh, you know, tell us how you got here. Give us a bit of your fandom origin story. Okay. So um, I started my fandom 
origin story. My I started with the Twilight fandom when I was like way, way little. <laughs> um, and it was just something about, I think it was just something about being able to be, create anything that you want and having like, I guess being able to explore different characters and characters in different settings that just like it just fit immediately and um since then I kind of went from Twilight to Supernatural for a bit before pretty quickly settling into Marvel and this is where I'm at um I think in Marvel I started mostly with Stephen Bucky because I saw the first um movie I saw was uh Captain America Winter Soldier and I just saw that and I was like they are so in love and it just hit me (laughs) and ever since then I've just kind of been expanding my ships and different fandoms and it's just been so much fun so how'd you land on Stony eventually then from from that impression um I actually didn't get into Stony until after Civil War. Interesting. Okay. Tell I know. Me why. Um, I think it was just, I think it just kind of like hit me in that movie that like, yes, a lot of them was like, they were fighting and it was this huge thing. But also like you don't fight that much with a person you don't care about. And I think like after that I started reading fix and it just kind of like I really understood how fandom started like seeing Tony which is like similar to but also a little bit different from what the movies actually like portray him as or like what RDJ portrays him as so it was like I, I don't know and I like to be completely honest I'm a huge like angst fan I love that so much so like this like pairing was just like there's so much angst but there's also happy endings which is like a must for me so it was just like a really good place for me to be for a while and I'm still in there like I feel like I still haven't read all of the like titular fix of the fandom and I'm still like getting into it you know well I think one of the things we all feel is that we will all never read everything we want to read. So that's a common, <laughs> I think our listeners are going to be nodding along as you said that. Mm-hmm. So what you said that you think Tony is a little bit different for, um, in fandom than on screen. Do you, like, what do you think are the differences? I think, um, I think some of it has to do with like continuity. Okay. And uh, fandom does a really good job of filling in the gaps and trying to I mean, like, we try our best in terms of trying to, like, maintain some sort of continuity for him, even though, um, like, different directors have, or, like, different writers have different takes on him, right? So I think, like, for me, what I really enjoy is, like, what we've kind of decided Tony to be is, like, and and this is true for the movies, too. I I just think they don't show it as much as, like, Tony just trying really, really hard to be a good person, to be like the best that he can be. And I think that's something that resonates with a lot of people in the fandom. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So is, to, are you, so you mentioned Stucky and now we've talked about mm. Stony. Are you a mono shipper? Do you like to 
kind of go around? Is there a character that you'll follow kind of anywhere? Give me the feeling on that. I uh, am a, I, I will ship anything. I've made jokes on Tumblr that I will ship a rock with a sun. <laughs> I, um, for me, I think I've really kind of realized throughout, you know, reading different ships and different um, fandoms is that like, what's important to me is the writing and what's like how the writer perceives these two characters. So I can go into a ship where, you know, I might not necessarily ship them, but I can go in and I can like, the, this um, fic will introduce me to this ship. Um, and it, it just kind of like, it's reading something that makes you happy, right? Um, so yeah, now that's kind of like how I started with like Bill and Clint because I didn't really like know much about them and I like they didn't really interact. But I have a couple of fandom friends who introduced me to them and I was just, I just started reading the fix and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so obvious. They're so in love, even though they spoke like two lines at each other. <laughs> We are very good in fandom at retconning relationships, um, oh, yeah. for sure, yes. for sure. So with Tony, do you have, mm-hmm. uh, like, for instance, for me, my, I mean, Stony, Winter, Iron, and Stuckoni are kind of my three that I prefer him in, but I'll dabble in just, I mean, he's like, Steve and Tony are, and Bucky are my bicycles. I'll kind of follow them anyway. Oh, yes, yes. Um, but with Tony, kind of, who's, what's your preference? Who do you prefer with him? Um, my happy place is Stuckoni. I like, I like, I really enjoy um, the dynamic of that triad, um, and I, 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 and I will take any form of that triad, which includes you know Stony and Winter Iron and also Stucky. Um, I think that 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 polyam relationship is coming out with some really really fantastic picks right now, and I really appreciate that. Um, I, I also like I get really emotional reading Tony and Rhodey like more okay. emotional sometimes than like when I read Stoney because I'm, they're like they're like such good friends and I'm like he like they both love each other so much and I I'm just like I I have not met a Tony Rhodey fic that I do not like I will okay say that. <laughs> that is high praise I think uh, so yep. speaking of fix you love, kind of what you know from from your multi shipper perspective, what are kind what are some fix that you wish our listeners would read? Ooh, okay. So I actually have a couple, and I'm gonna start with the not Marvel ones because I've kind of been on a Witcher kick, to be honest. But I will go into my Staconi collection as well because there's a really good fix in there. So we are starting with, this is a Witcher fic. It's called, it's a long way to, it's a long way forward, so trust in me, by Suzuki Blue. And it is a ABO fic, (laughs) which is really strange because I, like when I first came into fandom, I had no idea what ABO was. I was very, very confused, as I'm sure most people are when they have like when they come into fandom and they just see the amount of ABO effects there are and and what goes into that dynamic. But I just started reading um, ABO recently, and this fic is so fantastic 
because Yeskir is the alpha and <laughs> Geralt is the uh, omega in that relationship, yeah. And that would be quite a little bit similar to the dynamics that we have with, with Tony and Steve in that way. Um, oh, yeah. A little bit for folks who are not familiar with The Witcher, it would be very much like an alpha Tony Stark within that particular fandom. So oh. that's a really interesting, um, a really interesting dynamic. It is. It is. And like, if we're talking about Geralt, for people who haven't seen the show, seen the show, um, he's very much kind of like a very growly, very like brooding type of quote unquote alpha hero. And he like, to the point where like he doesn't really have that much dialogue and most of what he says is just sarcastic bullshit you know (laughs) sorry can i swear you absolutely can yes (laughs) but yeah so it's very interesting to me to have this um dynamic in effect because you know when someone looks at girls and yes gear it's it's pretty like by traditional ways of abl Yes, Gear would be the Omega, but it's really interesting that this fic kind of flipped it on its head, and it's 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 kind of like Yes, Gear is almost like a service stop, you know, and he's very like he just wants girls to feel happy and satisfied, and that makes me very happy and satisfied. <laughs> Amazing! So give me these stuckonies because I always want more of those. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I have a list, my friend. Um, so I will start with the one, I usually do not read works in progress. It's just a little bit harder for me, um, because I'm the most impatient person alive. So I will fix Sugar Sugar by not close, not even close to straight. Um, I don't know if you know this author, but they come out with really, really fantastic fix. And they have multiple Sakonis out and they're all fantastic. And I highly recommend anything by this author. They have a pirate AU for Stacconi that is amazing. And I don't for know if you read Stony, it. For any Stony Mino shippers, I am not even not even close to straight is who wrote Stetson's, this the famous Stetson's yes. um Stony ABO. So that would be the same author. Yes, and Stetson's has a very special place in my heart. I'm not a Western reader, but that fic was so fantastic. And um, not even close to straight takes a lot of tropes, like different tropes, you know? And she has like a pirate AU for Stacconi. I think there's one, there's a stony one where um, like one of them is an um, archeologist and they have a love story in the forest while running away from evil people. Because why not? exactly like because why not and it's so good okay so what's your final rec for us okay let me finish sugar sugar because it is so cute i just want to finish rocking it um it tony owns a bakery called sweet peach that is totally based on its butt and steve and bucky are totally in love with this butt and it is the most like light-hearted happy fic that I have read in a while and it is so cute and Steve and Bucky are just so in love with Tony and Tony is like a master flirt so it's just like 
they just like adore flirting with each other. So if you guys like fix where the main characters are flirting, I would definitely recommend this. Okay, so my last track is a uh, Winter Iron Brooklyn Nine-Nine fic, and it is called Tinker Techie Soldier Spy by Drake Aspire. It is one that I just started to read, so I don't know much about it, but I think all you need to know is the fact that it's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine AU. For sure. And if you are somebody who uh, also loves Jake Peralta as much as I do, I think that that is a really fun uh, itch to scratch. So thanks have for wrecking that. I have not, not yet. So I'll have okay. to go find it. Yep. Uh, I will send you the link. Excellent. And we'll put that link and all the other links in the show notes, folks. So Nikki, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Today for Hot Topic, we want to bring up the idea of ship shaming. And before we dive into what that means and how we can avoid it, um, we, I just kind of wanted to clarify the scope of this conversation because we don't want anyone to feel like we're skipping things or ignoring things. Um, but we also don't have four hours to talk about this. So this is part of a big conversation on censorship and relationships between fans and fandom culture and purity culture and all these other things. And it's too big to have in one conversation. So we have been breaking it up. We talked about censorship in earlier episodes. We've talked about pieces of this. The piece that we're talking about today is specifically ship shaming. Fundamentally, this isn't about whether a ship is inherently good or bad or justifiable by canon or has problematic content or romanticizes something that upsets you. That's not what this part of the conversation is about. This is about how fans treat other fans and how fans treat their discussions of things that they don't like or that makes them uncomfortable. And to focus solely on ship shaming as our topic for right now. We're gonna look at how we present ourselves, how we interact with other people, the choices that we as individuals can make about how we're choosing to participate in fandom communities and how we can always keep in mind the ways we can be a positive part of fandom community. And that's not just to protect our communities, but also to protect ourselves. Because as we keep saying, fandom is about joy. It's about love for something. It's about fun. And as soon as you start digging into the negative or leaning into the stuff that upsets you or bothers you or engaging with the people that upset you, you're starting to chip away at that joy and you can chip away at it real fast. So once again, as we've talked about before, this piece of the larger puzzle is, is focusing mostly on creating your fandom experience and being a positive force for positive fandom culture. When we say ship shaming, we mean the way that some people talk about a ship that passes a value judgment on people who enjoy that ship. So if you say this ship is wrong or this ship is gross or this ship is 
fill in the blanks that what you are implying is that the person who enjoys that ship is also wrong, gross, etc. There are ways to talk about things that you don't enjoy that don't attach value statements to the people who enjoy them. And that is a little bit more of what we want to talk about in this segment. In general, something that every human needs to keep in mind is that different does not mean bad and disagreeing with something does not mean that something is evil. In the context that we are talking about, that particularly means the reaction that we all may have to reading opinions or ships or advocacy for tropes or anything else, but specifically ships that make us go, ooh, the ooh used to be called squicking. You would say that something squicked you. You would say that something wasn't part of your life. And at the time that I came into fandom, squick was a fairly judgment-free word. It wasn't, it wasn't saying that the person who enjoyed it, something it was, was wrong with them. It wasn't saying that the content was a problem. It was simply saying it wasn't for you. When I came back to fandom, I discovered that the word squick had begun to take on negative connotations. It was a bit more judgy than I was used to. And it was something that I wasn't comfortable with because I don't know how else, I don't know what other word we can use because there are things that all of us find not for us. I have an alphabetical list that I will not be sharing in public, but you can slide into my DMs and I'm happy to tell you what doesn't work for me. But because it doesn't work for me, doesn't mean that who it works for is wrong. It just means we're different. And I don't know what word we can use. I'd love to reclaim squick. I think it's a good word, but I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if people that came into fandom during my 10 year hiatus have a different relationship with it now, but we need to come up with some way in, in some way in order to have this conversation. I mean, I usually just say like, that's good for you, not for me, which is one of my life mottos. And in most of the fandom spaces that I am in, mostly because I don't hang out on Tumblr a whole lot or Twitter a whole lot, the that can kind of end the conversation because the mods will kind of step in. But there's inadvertent ship shaming sometimes even on our servers that we run that we didn't catch in time because somebody says, you know, somebody goes, well, that was a really dumb decision or that was a really dumb thing. The word dumb is judgment is judgmental and calling a ship dumb is ship shaming. Calling a ship gross is ship shaming. Saying something doesn't work personally for you is not ship shaming. There's a line that um, maybe isn't always clear to people as they're just chatting or, you know, spending time with people communicating part of a community the line between what is a personal response and what is an, a value judgment, because I think that that line gets blurred in some contexts and that's fine. And we're more accepting of the difference between personal response and value judgment when it's positive, but it's important to keep that line there when we're talking about things that we don't like, because value judgments have an implication on them that there's an implication that people who disagree with you, then that negative value is applied to them as well. If I say, if I say that a ship is, is nasty, then the implication inevitably is that people who like it 
either are nasty as well or like something that's nasty. And that isn't about my personal opinion. That's a value judgment. If I say I dislike it or it makes me feel uncomfortable or I don't even I don't get it or it doesn't light my fire, those are personal responses to it. And you might notice that the critical word there is I. And when trying to parse whether you're making a personal response or value judgment, incorporating the word I is usually the critical thing that you need to do in order to reel it back from being a value judgment. To take it out of ship context for just a second and give you something else, another way to look at this. Very famously, Ferret has a very strong opinion on the proper adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> oh no, you didn't tell me we were going to talk about this. I think it makes sense though. No, this is Because good. I think it really did apply to this. You feel incredibly strongly that the only one that counts is the Colin Firth, Jennifer Ely, BBC adaptation. Yeah. That the 2005 Kira Knightley is, I've heard you jokingly use the word abomination. <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> However, you know, I love the 2005 one. Yeah. And yet we still managed to be friends. I think that it's a great movie and that I, I totally understand why a lot of people like it. To me, it's not Pride and Prejudice because it doesn't, have the social satire that is the entire point of the book. But it's a beautiful romance movie and lots of people love it for that. It didn't speak to me on that level. So personal response, I hate it because I love Pride and Prejudice so much that I want it to be adapted in a way that loves the same thing that I love about it. But I know that it's extremely popular and for a lot of people, it's their only interaction with Pride and Prejudice. And you know what? fine. <laughs> and the social satire is not my favorite part of Prejudice. So it doesn't, I like it. And I like watching the eight hour. I've seen it an embarrassing amount of times. It used to be the thing I just put on in the background in college and lived my life. Right. Um, I adore it. But in terms of in uh, what I love about it is Lizzie and, and Darcy realizing that they're in love with each other. I fundamentally love it as a love story. And so 2005 works for me. You guys may have just heard us have a fair a conversation that could get really nasty in some other places. Legit, that may sound silly to you, but pe book people are even more intense antis than fandom people can be. And there can be really, really, really strong feelings. Every time Ferret jokes about the other one being wrong, we know she's joking. We know that it's a shtick. It's a thing. We know that, that that's just not kind of who she is as a person. And so the joke is funny. I joked with somebody the other day that I canceled them because they liked the Lost finale, which I find really <laughs> mystifying. Um, but I still adore, I still adore that person. And I still like doing light with that person in the server. And I, I still am that person. So these kind of things, these joking interactions happen all the time. And so for somebody who maybe doesn't feel as comfortable with social cues or is still really unclear to what we talk about, I can imagine that sometimes the ship shaming may sound like the joking stuff we just talked about, which it makes online communication difficult because sometimes some of this, even the personal opinions do, re do rely on context. Anytime you use the word, you are wrong, you are nasty. I mean, the number of times I see ship shaming posts on Tumblr that say, if you like this, you nasty, it makes me actually shake with anger because it's so wrong. But if the line seems a little blurry to you in a conversation, 
I don't think it's necessarily wrong to ask the question of what's happening here, especially if it's not a ship, because sometimes the line is blurry. Sometimes the line is, is confusing and we don't always know what's going on. So hear us say as well that, that judge the value statement about someone's humanity and the personal taste, we can talk about it in black and white terms. But one of the beautiful, troublesome barriers in fandom is language. We come from different colloquialisms. We come from different mother tongues. We come from a lot of different things. So if you are in, if somebody is, is having a conversation that you find really upsetting, either walk away completely, or if it's on that line, maybe ask the question because they might not even realize they're being ship shamed. And if they keep going and they are ship shaming, then leave for sure. Um, and all that kind of other stuff. So I, I want to acknowledge too, that this, that while it, it may appear very black and white, it can still be very complicated. At the end of the day, our personal feeling is that no, no fiction, no canon, no fictional characters, no made up stuff is ever worth hurting real human people's feelings over. You can disagree about stuff till the cows come home. Flyme and I disagree on a lot of stuff. We had a, a discussion this morning about something that we disagree on and it's not harmful to our relationship or to our mental health because we disagree with our personal opinions and re recognize that we each have personal opinions that sometimes are the same and sometimes are different. There are ships that we disagree on that one of us likes and the other one doesn't like even ones that one of us finds squeaky and doesn't bother the other one and that is the tone that we would love for fandom to have as well because that's how we live our lives and how we live our relationship not just with each other but with fellow fans and for both of us it's it's vital that human people are put first and an understanding that in fandom a lot of us have had shaming experiences that are related to fandom outside of fandom as well. Maybe your parents don't get it. Maybe your siblings don't get it. Maybe your friends laughed at you when you told them you wrote fan fiction. And I just don't see the need to take that negativity that so many people are faced with on a daily basis just because of their hobby or they feel they have to hide their hobby. Why do we have to take that shit and stink up the spaces where we are safe and we're supposed to be celebrating something that we love together. It is actually possible to celebrate all the things that two people both love and not have to touch on the things you both don't like. <laughs> so I guess at the end of the day, again, this comes down to, you have the choice to block people. You have the choice to leave communities. If you, sh if you see read the rules of spaces that you're in. Discord servers have rules. Many of them have a no ship shaming rule. If you see it, report it. Sometimes people don't know. Sometimes people do know. You need to talking to either way. <laughs> you can control your fandom space and you can help be the fandom community that you want to see. So you can speak up and say, that kind of language makes me uncomfortable. Maybe you can make that an I statement instead. Or go to a mod and say, I just felt a little iffy about this. Maybe you can talk to that person and remind them that this would qualify as ship shaming. Or maybe you mute a server for a while or mute a channel or you unfollow a Tumblr or block a Twitter. Those are choices that you can make that not only help you with your culture, your fandom space, but also help promote the kind of culture you wanna see by encouraging the behavior you do like and gently discouraging the behavior that you don't like. 
because as we always say, not only that fandom is about joy, but fandom is a people, not a place. And it takes work to make people work together. And that that includes inner work as well. Farron and I have both been in a lot of fandom spaces. Obviously, we've talked about that throughout this entire episode. And one of the things that we have valued in all of the ones that we are in is the celebration of joy, whatever that looks like. Shame on any level is something that robs joy. And we hope that you all join us in building blockades against that shame in every way that we can. Talks, we threw a question out there to all of our lovely listeners. We wanted to know if you consider yourself a mono shipper, a multi shipper, or something else. And we got some interesting replies. We had 55 votes on the Twitter poll, which is, I think, a really exciting number because it's, an, it's big enough that we can kind of get a vibe. And of those people, 60% said that they were a multi shipper. Wow. 30% said mono shipper and 9% said something else. So what is interesting to me is that I have a feeling based on some of the replies that are below that a couple multi shipper, mono shipper, others all kind of combine in a way that I may not have expected. So, cause for instance, one person, the other dibbler asked if a multi shipper meant some like more than one pairing, but different people in each or shipping the same characters in an assortment of pairings. So like, are you a mono shipper if you had, if you shipped both Stony and Clintasha in, but you never ever want those four people with anybody else? Right. Um, Cause they said, I have a whole fleet of ships, but I'm very dedicated to my OTPs and do not separate them. Okay, that's interesting. I, I, yeah, okay, cool. And then other people were like, I'm a bicycle shipper. Uh, Wonderland Girl said, I have favorite characters that I ship with various different characters at different times, depending on how I'm feeling and what rabbit holes I have fallen down. I just want them all to be happy, mm-hmm. which is generally how I feel. <laughs> Courtney B, who is at Storybook Colors, says, I'm a multi-shipper. Stony is my main ship, but honestly, I mostly ship Tony with happiness. So I've probably shipped him with the entire team at one point or another. I think the X with happiness is a pretty popular, like of the bicycle shippers, that seems to be the most common reasoning. Like I will ship my person with anyone that I feel is right for them. And depending on the story the context, the canon, whatever, especially with so many years and years of multiple canons for this, that can mean so many different things. Yeah. And then, and I, I think that that is, especially in Marvel, something that a lot of people feel like we talked about in the earlier section that the the smaller number of characters in a canon, the less bicycle shippers you're going to get. Mm. But like with the longevity of Marvel, and I'm sure that this counts in DC for a little bit too. That's just not a universe I, I dip into when we talk about longevity of a fandom. Uh, but then New Type Shadow had a concept that I, I really, I really like, which is the flagship mono ship. She says, I'm a mono shipper, but my ship is Stuckoni. And I like Steve, Tony, and Bucky in any combinations. So I have three ships and a flagship, and any of the ships fit on the flagship. <laughs> okay. 
And I also resonate with that. I love the three of them in any of their permutations. I have preferences over the other, but if I'm going to go with an OTP in a certain way, like I know I said winter iron earlier, but as long, I mean, like I also adore Stony to the core of my being. There's so many stucky fix I love. I love writing all four combinations at different times in my life. So I think I would also be on the flagship mono ship. I don't really read other ships in Marvel or interact with them the way I do with those four ships. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that, I think that definitely if we were going to be real scientific about this, there's a lot more breakdowns we could do than just mono and multi. And this alone has shown that that's very much the case. And, uh, you know, each person is also like, depending on the fandom or even the sub fandom that they're in can be multiple things. So I've been, I've been mono shippers, I was a mono shipper in Buffy, which was my first fandom. I only shipped Buffy. I didn't read or consume content for any other ship. And I wasn't interested in any other ship. And in Marvel, I'm a pretty extensive multi-shipper. And then there's some other, and then there's some other fandoms that I don't consume the canon and I'm only interested in the fic specifically because of a ship and the way that I've seen the ship interacted with. So like, I've never seen an episode of Teen Wolf. I have a vague idea what if, what it's about, but um, I like the, the one, like the Derek Styles came across my dash just from exposure, probably because there was a lot of crossover with SPN. And I was like, oh, I like that vibe. So I've read a whole bunch of fic for that. And so do I consider myself a mono shipper for Teen Wolf? Because I didn't really consider myself a shipper for Teen Wolf at all because I'm not in the fandom, I, don't, I wouldn't say. But I have been known to consume their content. So yeah, I think I think that there's a lot of different ways that we can break this down. And it's cool to see people talk about ones that I hadn't even thought of that you could engage in that way. Yeah. And so that was on Twitter. And then when we switched to discord where I, you know, shared this poll in a bunch of different servers, the reaction was, a, was much more towards mono shipping, mm-hmm. uh, except in our, uh, Steve, T- Tony Bucky server, which is innately a multi-ship server. So that doesn't surprise me, but the other ones that I was in, even if they're, if they encourage multi-shipping, like our server for the podcast, there was much more of a vibe of, my God, I can't imagine loving more than one thing that sounds exhausting. <laughs> oh, I like that. I, that. That totally makes sense. But also Discord is so much more of a ship segregated space. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the Twitter ever could possibly be. And so the, the difference there does not surprise me. Um, of course, we had so we have several podcast guests who have who contributed to this, like Saber, who said, you know, there's absolutely no other ship but Stony. You all can pretend that there are other ones, um, but Stony is the only one. And she says that in love. And then, you know, um, some other guests chimed in with their opinions. Alex Jameson is a multi-shipper within Marvel and, uh, but, but exclusively reads Steve and, um, or sorry, pretty much exclusively reads Bucky with Steve. Um, And she'll read Steve with Tony occasionally when I tempt her to my works but then she gets (laughs) mad at me in the comments that I made her like a a fix she doesn't even ship and so it's it's kind of it I don't know I just think Marvel is so big that we really probably should break it down farther than mono and multi especially in light of these responses it just it fascinates me it really does I love thinking about it like you were saying like 
that you're mono in some things and multi in others. I am 100% mono chipper in Veronica Mars. Oh yeah. I don't even want to hear, and I don't want to entertain the idea that Logan or Veronica could end up with anybody else because they're both mutual disasters that fit each other perfectly. Yeah. And I have next to no interest in any of the other characters. So there's not even a ship I'm particularly interested in. And in Gilmore Girls, Luke and Lorelai, I only want Lorelai with Luke. Full stop. Done. End of story. I uh, pass Rory around at vari- to various of her boyfriends, depending on what mood I'm in. So, because then I, so then I would say that makes you a multi shipper because you have more than one ship in the Gilmore Girls fandom, even if you don't yeah. ship around certain characters. But I, I like it's it's definitely a different way than the bicycle shipper or even the like nebulous network shipper. Yeah. This is, it just all goes down. And I mean, I fall way more on, on what Wonderland girl said, where it's like, it depends on what mood I'm in and what rabbit holes I'm falling down. Right. I mean, I've gone on the record that I don't like that. When I first started in fandom, there was no way I was ever going to read an ABO fic. Thank you. No, that's a no. And now I write them probably more than anything else besides domestic fluff. Uh, I never thought I'd get into lactation kink. And then here we are. Um, <laughs> And that's like the story of my fandom life, things I never thought I'd be into. And yet, please check my AO3 history. I never thought I'd be into dark fic and I just wrote some. Uh, so it's it's all those kind of things that I chase at my moods, for sure. I'm a mood reader more than anything else, I think. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that the maybe we should make some, some graphs <laughs> for the various kinds of shippers. There's an artist who wants to make cute graphs with us. Um, you know, like yeah, please. the web Otherwise, shipper, I'm doing the bicycle shipper. <laughs> uh, but I like that this conversation was really positive. People were happy to participate. Um, I like that. I do think that the platform makes a huge difference because I would say like, since our pod is mostly a multi-shippy pod, um, even though I know there are mono shippers who listen to us, uh, overall, we celebrate a lot of different ships. So I wouldn't be surprised that our responses would tend to veer towards multi as it did 60%. But even when we take our voice into, into specific ship servers, not all those people are going to listen to the pod. Maybe they don't listen to the pod because they don't like that it's multi-shippy, you know? And so that's going to be, you know, if, if you are a mono shipper, you're going to want to be in a mono shippy space, right? So it makes sense. We also had one fandom feelings uh, to our little Anon Dropbox. And this person said, while I definitely have my favorites, I am absolutely a multi-shipper. This is especially easy in a fandom like Marvel that has so many characters to put into all different combinations and so many talented creators who write different ships. And yeah, I think that comes back to that. Like if you've got years and years and years of comics, years and years of movies, 3 billion characters, it's sort of, you know, that's that's honey to a, to a multi-shipping bear. Yeah, there are characters that I think more than anything, what being a mod for Marvel Trump's hate taught me is that I don't know Marvel at all. (laughs) It's so huge. It's so huge because we would be in these conversations about about different ships or codes or tags or everything. And I would just be on like wiki being like, who is that? So yeah, it's wild and wide. Uh, I think the summary of our season one is things we thought would be the end of conversations that spawned 7.9 million other (laughs) conversations. And this is certainly one. So as always, if this is kind of an exploration topic you'd like us to poke into more or you would like to come on and talk about 
any of the gray areas that we just talked about, please make sure to get in touch. Last week, we had the exciting announcement that we are starting up Trope Off for a second round. If you missed that conversation, you can go back and check it out. But basically, we have 25 tropes on the docket. They are going head to head in a series of challenges, basically, that are just polls on Twitter. Um, and it's double elimination. So if a trope loses two polls, they're out. And we will keep going until we crown a winner, the ultimate trope. So this past trope off the last one that we had um, we talked about it on our last episode but it is now complete and that was enemies to lovers versus impreg and i wasn't super surprised by this one because i feel like i have seen contention on both of these but i feel like fewer people are into impreg i was correct enemies to lovers beat out impreg 75 percent to 25 percent uh so who did you vote for Blame. I voted for Mpreg. Oh, did you? I mean, I knew it was going to lose because it's like enemies to lovers is one of the greatest tropes in literature. <laughs> um, this is a thing that generally exists in fandom. Um, and the Kindle Unlimited section of the internet. Um, but uh, like enemies to lovers, I'm a lot pickier on, I think on a certain level, like you have to, re- you have to I won't read just any enemies to lovers thing um, because if you make them truly hateful to each other, I don't know. It, it takes, sure, it takes fandom- time to get there. Like if you're going to convince us they're enemies and then convince us all the way to lovers, that takes effort. That takes time. That's an investment. It, it is. And I think like in Canon, I mean, we're going to talk to Steve and Tony, like it's in, they, that's their canonical arc. We make the argument. But I'm always more interested in alternate universe stuff. So usually when I'm thinking about these tropes, it's the tags that I would click on. Yeah. I to think surf around. Idea. Yeah. Is how I judge it. And I don't ever surf around enemies to lovers. But you'd, you'd, um, you'd surf around in Prague. I do all the time. Actually, I have the, the tag for pregnant Tony Stark, pregnant Steve Rogers, and pregnant Bucky Barnes open in three separate tabs on my computer. And I just hit refresh <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> Lovely. Um, it it just scratches this itch, man. I don't know. I don't, we should, I mean, I'm not in therapy at the moment and we probably shouldn't explore it outside of a therapeutic situation, but (laughs) enemies to lovers is a, is a, is something I read a lot more by authors I explicitly trust than I would take a whirl with somebody new. Oh, that's interesting. I think that I, I don't generally click on the tag enemies to lovers, but it's definitely a part of a lot of stories that I really enjoy. So it's almost like if your summary catches me, then I'm in for enemies to lovers, but it's not a tag I would surf just for the sake of the tag, because to me, it's almost like it's a foundation upon which other stuff has to be there as well. Um, whereas, yeah, I've definitely gone looking for Mpreg. And it was something that I didn't like at all uh, when I first got into slash fic in general um it took a while for me to be charmed over to mpreg i wasn't really interested in pregnancy stories of any kind but uh, maybe i'm broody but uh, yeah i do like an mpreg story i like the idea of the sort of inherent vulnerability and the like care and protectiveness and i like a lot of the abo tropes that tend to go with pregnancy so i do like an mpreg 
Uh, but actually, I don't know who I would vote for in that one. Sometimes I'm grateful that I don't get to vote because then I don't have to pick. So, and speaking of people who don't have to pick, uh, well, they do have to pick, but they choose not to pick. Um, I always get some people who uh, are enamored with the idea of the two tropes combined. And on this one, Fan didn't let us down. They had uh, the amazing idea of enemies to lovers where the enemies have a one night stand as enemies and um, one of them becomes pregnant from that one night stand. And in the process of dealing with the pregnancy, they become actual lovers. And uh, I love that. So there's a prompt for the bucket. Totally, that's the plot of one of my favorite Australian romances actually, is that they, they hooked up at a bar and they were, it was, to it was a total hate fuck. A total hate fuck in the bathroom of all places. God love them and their hygiene. Um, and then she gets pregnant and they have to figure out what they're going to do. And it is so much sniping. I think if the, if enemies to lovers is, is full of banter that you can tell actually they don't need each other. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we definitely take enemies lightly as a concept. Like you can stretch that pretty far. I've seen enemies to lovers being like, you know, they're secretly both in love each with each other. So they snap at each other because they're afraid that if they're nice, they'll show their feelings. So you can take, you can take, you can stretch it. It's pretty stretchy. Yeah. I also voted for Empreg because I wasn't sure if anybody else would. And I like an underdog sometimes, but I knew it was going to lose. Yeah. Well, that means Empreg's in the loser's bracket, but it doesn't mean it's out. They have other chances. So we'll see who Empreg is up against next. Um, and that'll decide, potentially decide their fate. Um, but yeah, as always, I think the true winner is the tropes combined. Someday, I would really love for someone to do all 25 tropes together. Round one is finished, folks. So if you want to ch check out that list, you can squish all those together and you'll get a trope off gold star. Oh, um, we'll come up with, if somebody does that, we'll come up with a prize. Oh yeah. Well, well obviously you're going to need to be a guest on the pod and tell us exactly how you manage that feat of trope. Maybe they like to pick our topic for the episode. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so I'm going to be attempting to do a trope off every weekend and hopefully that makes it easier for people to predict as well and um, check in with. So you can just poke in on me during the weekend. Each one will be two full days. So um, if you check in on pod day or non pod Sundays, then you should still be able to vote. Uh, this weekend, we are open already since it's Sunday. Um, I posted yesterday and we are doing Mafia slash Mob AU versus Unrequited Feelings. But I'm not allowed to say anything this time, I, or I have to wait till next episode? Well, next episode, we'll talk about which one you voted for. But um, Okay, I remain yeah. mum. But anyone who's heard me talk will not be surprised if I vote. <laughs> um, or has read a single one of my fix. Yeah. And again, you just, you take it as those two things speak to you. If you saw those as tags, which one would you click if that's all you got? And, uh, or which one would you open a doc to create for or drop for? And uh, you can tell me why. I love to know why. Love, love to know why. You can let me know in any of the Discord servers I'm in or on in replies on Twitter. And additionally, let me know if you come up with an amazing prompt that involves the two tropes combined because I would love to start a collection of those. So I really wanna hear if you have any amazing ideas. So go to Twitter and vote for either Mafia Mob AU or vote for Unrequited Feelings. And next time we talk, we'll give you an update on how that went and how next week's, next weekend's uh, trope off goes as well. And we'll find out which one's Flame voted for.
fandom. I'm Only More Love, back with your events forecast. Today, I'll be sharing some information about what's going on challenge-wise in a Marvel fandom near you. Here's the usual note before I begin with the current events. You'll be able to find everything I mention in this forecast linked and explained in the show notes of each episode over on podonthesuit.com. Now, let's move on to the fun stuff. Just a friendly reminder that the fourth round of the Marvel Fluff Bingo is open for signups until March 16th, so please go grab a card to write all the fluffy tropes and get-togethers. And please note that the Marvel Holiday Fest, a prompt fest based on holiday movie plots, open to all ships and without minimum requirements, is still open for fills until January 31st. The Cap I Am Com Remix events are also ongoing, but you can still participate in Remix Madness. That's the Remix Fest, which goes on between January 10th and February 20th. Remix Madness has no minimum requirements and is open to all types of fan works. If you have questions on how remixing works, have a look at the detailed post on the Cap Iron Man community. The Com also announced its 2021 Reverse Big Bang. The event is currently open for art submissions and will remain so until February 10th. Have fun, make art, and be awesome, friends. Did you know that you can get a customized STB Steve, Tony, Bucky bingo card until January 31st? After that date, you'll still be able to request a generic card from February 1st through May 31st. All combinations of Steve, Bucky, and Tony are allowed, so you get to play with no less than four ships in any medium you want and without requirements other than responsible tagging. Have fun, and please join the server if you feel like chatting. The Shrunky Clunks Big Bang will be opening signups on January 16th, so keep an eye on their page on Tumblr or Twitter to participate. The minimum is 10k, and posting will begin in June. The Starker Festival's blog on Tumblr is back with another one of their low-pressure challenges. For the month of January, the mods have put out a 3x3 New Beginnings mini bingo card for the community to fill. Have fun! The Thor and Loki Kinky Valentine Exchange is open for signups until January 9th, with a deadline set for February 12th and reveals on Valentine's Day. It's open to all Thor and Loki ships, so if you ship Thunder Shield, Thunder Iron, Frost Shield, Frost Iron, or a poly variation of those four guys, check it out. A Sam Wilson Prompt Fest has also been announced. To be sure not to miss the details and rules when they come out, be sure to give the blog a follow. That brings us to the end of your events forecast, friends. We hope to see you again next time. Until then, please be safe and, as always, happy shipping. Well, that's it for episode 22. Thanks again to Sagana for our cover art and to Seth and Nikki for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you to everyone who voted in the first round of Trope Off 2. Don't forget to vote again this weekend. 
comment on this post or hit us up on any of our socials to get in touch. Thank you to the podcast staff for helping out and to all of you for listening and engaging. We really, really value your participation and how you make this a communal effort. So thank you again. We'll see you next time for episode 23. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us.